Hey guys, you're listening to She's Obsessed, the podcast. Following a poll on my Instagram page, I found out that you guys actually don't mind hearing from men on this podcast. So I'm really excited to announce that joining me on this week's episode is David McQueen. David is an OG, not by age, but by experience when it comes to securing the bag in both the creative and the corporate world. David McQueen is the secret link to the UK's best and brightest brands, founders and Banks. On this week's episode, I'm speaking to the husband, father and friend of many and world-renowned professional speaker, David McQueen, about the necessity of training for those interested in entering the public speaking field, the responsibility we all have to use our authentic voice, how we can schedule content to attract sales and clients, and finally, his passion for Black British entrepreneurs and how together we can build generational wealth within our community. What excites me most is that this conversation is a prelude to the panel taking place on Sunday the 24th of November called Built by the Culture. Here we're talking about the importance of commercialising our own culture as Black British creatives, entrepreneurs and minds. Also a shameless plug to come down between Friday the 22nd and Sunday the 24th to build your own box at our pop-up shop taking place at Hoxton Arches, Hackney, East London. We've got panels, we've got unlimited products, tons of information, tons of contact and tons of black girl magic and black boy joy. Come down and join us. Enjoy this conversation. Let's get into the episode. Hey David. Hey Jen. How are you? I'm all the better. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me on She's Obsessed, the podcast. Pleasure. Pleasure and honour. There we go. Um, So you're someone that I've been connected to for a while. I feel like we met way Way back. back. Five years ago. Maybe five years ago when Treasure Chest was like merely an an idea. Um, But we've been able to catch up a lot this year, which has been hugely beneficial for me. So I'm massively grateful for that um but tell our listeners a bit about yourself a bit about what you do and a bit about your history and don't forget to mention the part where you were a stand-up comedian because i was shocked when i read that this morning oh you didn't know that shame okay (laughs) so let me start off first by saying i am the husband of a beautiful woman madeline mcqueen amen I am the father of two amazing daughters, Rihanna and Lauren. Yes, amazing and, proofreaders. Yes, that's right. Oh my gosh, <laughs> let's not even go there. And uh, the friend of many. Um, yeah. I, I, I like to keep a small but tight, nice friendship circle. Um, in terms of my, how far back do you want me to go? Oh my gosh, you want to give it, I'll give it the really quickly. So, give it, yeah. Parents from the Caribbean, born in West London, uh, got married, lived up in North London for five years. Um, and then moved out to Hertfordshire because I just wanted to, I just wanted a different pace of life. Um, I've always been excited about business. Um, started my first, my first taste of business was running a tuck shop in school. Um, made more money than the school tuck shop and they shut me down. Um, but <laughs> I got the clothes and stuff that I wanted out of it. So I was happy. Um, my first career was an accountant. Then I went into IT. With both of those, I realized that what I was really good at was not just the knowledge part, but being able to communicate it clearly to people. So I decided to set up my own company. And for the last, 15 to 20 years thereabouts and varying forms. I've been running training and development companies. Uh, I'm a professional speaker. That means I get paid to speak. So I don't get, I don't speak for exposure because <laughs> exposure don't pay the bills. People in there listen now. If you're good at what you're doing, get paid for it. Um, and as part of um, doing that is yes, I, 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 I learn my craft by doing things. So I did stand up comedy. Uh, do you remember the comedians Jefferson and Whitfield? 
No, I'm with you. You guys are way too young. But anyway, the comedian. So I went and I trained with those guys and did some stuff at the comedy store, did some stuff for charity. Absolutely loved it because it just allowed me to learn on my feet. Mm-hmm. Um, did things like storytelling classes and did a bit of amateur dramatics, learned about breathing. Back in the day, I used to sing gospel and I used to do a lot of other stuff. So I trained vocally as well. And, and for me, I'm constantly learning, constantly learning. And now I'm in a stage of my life where I'm looking to build legacy, which is my latest company, legacy is only one plug. Um, but it's really about how can I primarily build something for my family mm-hmm. and then for my inner community and then the wider community as a whole. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, so it looks like you've done a lot of training in the vocal field. Do you yes. feel like that's 100% necessary for anyone that wants to get into public speaking? Or do you feel like it's just convenient that you've had that experience and you're able to use it? I think it's really important. I think it's, uh, it, I actually think it's quite critical because mm-hmm. when you are speaking, whether you're doing a podcast, running a seminar, doing a vlog, giving keynotes, whatever it is, it's an instrument and it can easily go. So for example, I... Whenever I go to speak, I never have any dairy. I don't drink dairy anyway, but I never have dairy. And people are like, why? I said, because, you know, if you have cow's milk, it has rennet, it will build up mucus. Mm. Um, I, uh, I don't smoke. Um, I do vocal exercise. So before I go to speak, like today I had to do a keynote. I will do vocal warm-ups before I actually go to speak. So I warm up my throat. Wow. I will drink like hot mint tea. I never drink, um, ice cold water. It's always at room temperature. Because it's an instrument and I've seen people ruin and waste and mash up their throat because they haven't, uh, haven't managed it properly. And for me, vocal care and vocal development is really, really important. And I remember I was saying to my, my, I went out with my daughters once and we were having some banter, but it was in a really loud club and I was just dancing where we were. It was just really loud. I said, Dad, why aren't you talking? And I was just like, because I want to protect my voice because I had the gig the next day. You know, when you go out to a bar or a club or whatever, you're shouting because the music's so loud. Mm. That's, that's no good for your throat. So I'm consciously aware that not enough people understand how important it is to know your content and know how you're going to deliver it, but you have to protect your throat. So that's very, very conscious. Cool. I had no idea that you'd done all that preparation. Yes. But hearing you speak, it's very evident that you're very well-versed and you know yourself inside out. Um, so the main thing that I wanted to talk to you about today mm-hmm. was finding and using your authentic voice. Okay. Because I genuinely go on LinkedIn to read your statuses okay. <laughs> because okay. they're always <laughs> so controversial. <laughs> and I, I just provoke. love to see the dialogue. Yes. So do you feel like you've always spoken your truth and you've always used your authentic voice or did it take some, I don't know, coaching, career experience mm-hmm. and some confidence building to, for you to get to a point where you just say exactly what you think, but then there's always a strategy and a reason behind it. I think as I've, as I've got older, it's been a lot more strategic. Mm-hmm. So before, when I was younger, it was just rebellion. I would just speak my mind. I'll cuss your mum, your dad, your auntie, <laughs> your ancestors. And and I would go in and I would just tell people, I didn't, you know, when I was younger, I didn't, I remember challenging people around in school, around their biases and their assumptions around black people. And I nearly got kicked out of college because I accused the teacher, but I didn't accuse him. I said to them that I don't think you understand the black cultural experience. So you're only doing it through a white lens or using all them big words back in the day. And, and for me, it was important at that point in time to always speak my truth. Even though my parents told me to keep my head down, work hard and mind my business. I was like, if something feels wrong for me, I'm going to speak out. And part of it is knowing that, you know, I, I grew up in an environment which was, to be honest, you were largely um, surviving. So we worked hard. We, you know, my parents couldn't have access to mortgages and good interest rates like they did back in the day. So we had partner. They put pooled money together. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, the banks, obviously, them times, they're wondering where these black people get their money from, but we were, they were able to survive. And what it meant in that survival, you stayed in a quite a close community and you didn't see it wider. So the, the downside of that is things like homophobia. The downside of that was things like, um, being encouraged entrepreneurialism. The downside of that was, you know, there were so many things that were just contained that you didn't see the world wider. So as my boundaries expanded, it allowed me to think a bit deeper. Um, and, um, it made me realize that I'm quite outspoken. I do have and have had for a number of years a platform as a speaker and more recently doing podcasts and vlogs and all the rest of it. And I think it's important to create conversations which might unsettle people, but do it so that people understand the experience others are going through. Mm-hmm. So, for example, quite recently, as I said, you know, I talked about this whole thing around um Pretty Patel, the, the Home Secretary, talking about migration, and 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 I was saying, given that she was the daughter of an immigrant herself, this kind of language it just seems it's like cognitive dissonance. How can you walk away or move away from a system that your family benefited from? Uh, and and it's quite easy. It's quite interesting. I knew some people were going to think I was talking about not having any migration at all, and then I will use it to say, look, you're forcing your assumptions and opinions because I never stated that. This is the question that I'm going to ask you. So sometimes people will come on on LinkedIn and places like that, and they will come and argue, and I will go, okay, I'm going to dissect your argument bit by bit by bit because that's the way I think. I don't want to beat you up. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not even trying to win you over to my point of conversation. But this is what I think is important, and I dig my heels in the ground. And if I'm wrong, put my hand and say I'm wrong. Good mm-hmm. point. But otherwise than that, I'm going into have a, a sensible debate. Uh, and more and more, as I said, as I've, I've got older, I've chosen my battles. But when I go into my battles, I'm going in full armored and I'm going in and I ain't coming out with no victims. I'm, go- yeah, I'm probably going in. That's me. And how do you handle that um, in a professional capacity? Because a lot of the time, like social media is home to ranting yes. and like just brain dumps, yes. which people can do mindlessly without yeah. actually thinking how it's going to affect them professionally, yes. maybe even their relationships mm. or just what's going to get pulled up in a few, um, a few years in the future. Someone's going to say, Oh, once upon a time you said this yes. and it's going to be held up against them. Mm. So how do you, um, navigate the fine line between ranting, mm. but then actually effectively communicating a really important point? Yeah. And do you see some people ranting and what's your advice to people that just let loose on social media and really speak their mind all of the time? So I think the advantage of having a blog or writing longer pieces is that you have the power of edit. Mm-hmm. So no matter what I put online, if I come back and edit, it's usually for spelling mistakes because, as I said, my daughter's gone in and proofread it or my thousand grammar police who are around me <laughs> will make sure that I've done that. But the content, I'm not changing. So I will do it. I will read it and I will read it out loud before I click send. And whenever I put my content online, I put it out there and I go, would I be comfortable if somebody came back to me two, three years down the line saying that I said this, would I be comfortable with it being there? Mm-hmm. And even when I was on Twitter, I think that probably in all the time that I was on Twitter, I think I probably deleted two posts in all the time that I was there. Wow. So that even when I was angry, I, when I said it with my chest, I would come in and I would apologize and have the thread and all the rest of them, what have you. But I would put stuff there that I would say, this is really annoying me and I'm saying this. And then I would build up the conversation that I wanted to have. And I think it's important to recognize that with the longer pieces, you get more time to think because the, when you're doing, I think Twitter is actually designed to, or, or short form blogs are designed just to evoke reactions and not to let you think properly. So I use Twitter now more as a 
platform just to put my longer pieces in or just, you know, a little bit of motivation quotes because getting involved, you know, uh, somebody falls over and somebody starts talking about blackface and then everybody comes in, oh my God, cancel that person, they're black. And they're like, I ain't got time for that because I think we've got bigger battles to fight. And, and I would say whether you're young or older, and if David Lammy, if you're listening, this goes for you as well. I think it's so important for you to be able to have a look at the impact that you're having wider beyond ourselves. And what can one or two people take away from this that might benefit them? And it doesn't mean that you can't go in there and say things strongly and say it with your chest, but just have a, a, a way that you can have emotion, but make sure it's underpinned by logic. Because mm-hmm. if it's not, people will absolutely bury you if it's just on emotion and then you lose your credibility. That's my kind of little advice. There we go. And you're like the content king on LinkedIn because I remember yes. you telling me that you actually have a schedule yes. for how you put things out. Yeah. Do you use it as an almost marketing strategy for corporate clients and that's why it sits on LinkedIn? Yeah. Or like what's what's the logic behind it? So the idea is, is that whenever I put my content out on LinkedIn, in some way or another, it's got to be related to the stuff that I talk around leadership and leadership communication. Right. So whether it's about developing a business, hiring staff, presentations, diversity, culture, all that stuff, the, the central pillar of what I do has got to be around that leadership piece. So at the beginning of any given week, I'm, I will have a schedule and I'll either put it in Trello or I'll have it in my little notes. And I'll say, right, I want to talk about these key themes. I'm going to do two a day. I'm going to do one in the morning to catch up. I'll do more than two right now. I'm going to do, depending on how I'm working, I'm going to do one in the morning so I can capture the UK and European market and, and people who are on their way to work or at lunch or what have you. And then I'll do one later in the evening so I can catch the American market because I know they're going to jump on that wave as well. <laughs> and it is really intentional. Not so much. Part of it is marketing and part of it is saying visibility. And right. I've known some people who have unfollowed me. Okay. I don't care. It's whatever. You're not my friend. So whatever. <laughs> but I know people who have unfollowed me because they are, they say that I put a lot of content out. And I'm like, okay, well, unfo- unfollow is fine. More often than not, they're, they're the people who need to be reading it anyway. <laughs> um, but I do it with the intention that I go, Oh, I never really thought about it mm. like that. Or, or I never thought about it this way. The quick example is I know a lot of black people who are very against black history month. Okay. And I always say, um, in the same way, I know guys who don't like International Men's Day, women who don't like Women's Day, all the rest of it, you can, you know, whatever. But I, I take it as an opportunity to say, look, the reason why Black History for me is every day, but the reason why I like to celebrate Black History Month per se is because it's the one time of the year where, regardless of whether people like it or not, it's going to be highlighted because you're going to see it all over the place. So why not take advantage of that opportunity to say as business owners, as educators, as artists, just as citizens of the, of the community. Although we are two to 3% of the population, we have made a vital and valid contribution to British culture, be it music, be it dance, be it education, whatever it is. And I think it's important for us, although we're only a small percentage, to raise our voice up and let people know where we've come from rather than it all being damped down by the usual typical white faces, which, you know, is to be expected in a white dominant country. And I don't have no issue with that. But when we have an opportunity to go, hold on a minute, have you heard our story over here? I'm going to use that to the best of our ability. So October is always going to be a busy month for me around black history. Did a gig today, got on one tomorrow. And, you know, the, for me, if I can then use that opportunity to start to create even more conversations so people can think wider. Like say, for example, you know, one guy said to me, I did not realize that black guys who graduate the same as white guys in from university are two to three times less likely to get a job, even though they've got the same qualifications. So the data is there. 
I said, well, because you are protecting yourself and protecting your interests, it's not going to be in your on your radar. But I'm letting you know this is important to me because I have to work with young black men and young women in business and in careers to say to them, here are the opportunities. And rather just saying, work hard and do this, here are the opportunities. Here are the people who I've been knocking on their door and telling them that, excuse me, <clears throat> that they need to change their policies. And on a platform like LinkedIn, goes out to, I think I've got about nine and a half thousand people who follow me. Uh, so the chances are, even if 1% of that read it, it's still making an impact. And that's why so I'm so passionate about it. Mm. And until I break my fingers, I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> Have you ever had any negative repercussions whereby like you've had a relationship with a client and then they've seen something that you've written and maybe been triggered and pulled out or have you ever had any backlash professionally? Um, not directly by any clients that I know. Um, okay. To be fair, I think a lot of the consistent clients that I work with, especially in the corporate and non-profit space, they are only too glad that somebody's able to raise some of the issues that I bring up, especially around inequality and equity and, and, and what have you. I have had, and I mentioned it today on LinkedIn, I have had um, opportunities, sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> I have had opportunities that where doors have been shut because people thought I was too controversial. Mm-hmm. I read that as, okay, if he comes in here, it probably will shake me up a bit and I've actually got to do something. That's the way I look at it. So I'm not going to take it as a personal affront to me. Um, but I'm a believer in abundance. If company A over here refuses to open the door, I've still got company B, C in the UK. And if B, C in the UK, don't know, I've got contacts in Europe and in America and in Africa and in Australia who are only too willing to pick up the phone and say, Dave, if you have a moment in your schedule, can you come over to England or can you do a webinar or can you find a way of working with my teams? So I never worry about it that per se. I'm not going to change who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, coming back to the point about your authentic self, this is who I am. Um, all the people who know me know that how I am on stage and how I am when I write is how I am when I'm face to face. I say what I see. If I screw up and I make a mistake and I get called out on it and, and it's genuine, I go, do you know what? You are right. Thank you for holding me accountable. And so thank you. I, I talk about one of my friends who's not too far away from here. My friend Andy, I am. He will keep me. He will keep me on check. He will say, Dave, you know, I know you said this, but have you thought about that? And for me, I know that there are older people my age who might be like, okay, who's this young man talking to me? I'm like, nah, bro, he keeps me in check. That's family. Mm. I'm, I'm making sure that that gets done accordingly. So I surround myself with individuals as well who will say to me, nah, you know, whether I'm doing that on our WhatsApp group or whether I'm doing it face to face, I know that if I've, if I've messed up or said something wrong, I know people are going to come back to me and go, well, Dave, I don't think you did it right here or I don't agree with you. And for me, that's even more important because I know people who will champion me will also tell me when I screwed up. And that leads me perfectly onto my next question. Okay. So you're very big on mentorship. Yes. Um, sponsoring and champion championing young people. Yeah. Um, what what makes you so passionate about doing that? First of all, uh-huh. and did people open the door for you the same way that you have for a lot of us as young entrepreneurs and black creatives? Yes. Yes. So I, I really love mentorship because I. I remember when I grew up in Harlesden, I was quite young and I remember seeing my summer holidays. My dad used to run maths and English classes for students in the local era. So our house, our flat at the time used to be full. My dad's doing all his formulas on the board and we learned about transitive and inflexive verbs at the age of seven and eight. I'm like, what's my dad doing? But you know, <laughs> I, I loved what he did there. And that was my first kind of like inkling into youth work. And one of the things I realized is that, look, I come from both of my parents are together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we moved from Harlesden, we moved I, at the age of 10, both of my parents owned their own home. I went to a really decent school in Harrow. Um, 
I, I never got in trouble with the police because I was afraid that my dad would beat me before I get in there and then beat me when I came back out. But what was powerful was uh, I'd look around sometimes and I realized there's a number of people that don't have this. And, and I have this in abundance, you know, even though um, I didn't finish my degree, when I grew up in church, I saw people around me who were engineers and lawyers and doctors and business people. And I was like, bruh. This is, this is, uh, you know, at the time I was just like, it was normal. But when I look back and reflected on it, I was, man, I was really fortunate to be in that space. So even though I will go and my work generally will go across the board to, to, to all people to being able to help and, and support and guide individuals, I do have a special non-apologetic approach to mentoring and supporting young black men and women. Mm. And I do that because I realize that it's very easy to turn a blind eye and not do anything and then wonder why some may go off track or some may go down a certain route and then their companies may fail and things may go wrong. And I'm like, there's no way on my, if, if I think about my headstone, there's no way somebody's going to write my headstone, David turned down his nose at black people. I'm just never going to happen, <laughs> right? It's never going to happen. And so for me, part and parcel of this is being able to say, yeah, because I said, I remember when we, when we first met and, and, and I was in the room and I was literally looking around the room and you were probably one of four people that are black people that I recognize in that room. Mm. I'm like, I'm zoning in on all four of them. <laughs> How are you doing? How can I help? Here's my email. Here's my number. Holler at me. And my wife's like, why are you giving everybody your last number? Why are you giving your email? And I know not everybody responds, but I just mm. wanted people to know that that's there and it's availability. And I like, even when we bumped back in last year, when I saw you, um, the, the black business, I was like, Oh my God, I walk into the so my wife, oh my gosh, I know what you remember And same, even when I was um, supporting some other businesses, my thing is, is I really want people to know that as much as I can, I've had loads of those doors open for me. And, and let me flip it around. Uh, I'm not talking too much, but let me flip it to the side. A lot of white men have opened doors for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I make no bones about the fact that you can't access certain corridors of power without the support of white men because those are the ones who hold the doors open. But while they're opening the door for me, I can open the door for others. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my one of my big heroes is um oh, this is so bad now. I forgot his name. Lord, 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 my brain Lord Hastings. Lord Hastings is his name. I think he's I've got his name on yes. one of those. Lord Hastings. It just went for me. I just had a, my brain just went, but Lord Hastings. Mm. You know what I love about Lord Hastings? Lord Hastings will go to Buckingham Palace. He will go to the House of Lords. He will go to the House of Commons. And he's got a trailer load of black men coming in behind him, all right? And regardless of where they're coming from, we met a couple of times and we had these really good conversations. He said to me, look, I heard about you. have been doing this mentoring and supporting young black men and, and women. And I said, yeah. Because when I'm, when I'm going through that door, mm. I, it annoys me that at my old hard age of 50, that so many times I'm still going into the room and the only person of color is me. I'm going into many of these spaces and the only person that looks like me in terms of my color background representation is me. And I'm like, nah, I can't, I can't do that. So whether I drag my kids along, whether I drag other people that I'm mentoring along to these spaces, I'm going to go, I got through these doors and I want more of you to come through here. Mm-hmm. Not to eggs up to the establishment and try to be, you know, and some people fighting for MBEs and all that rubbish. I'm not interested mm-hmm. in that. But there's an understanding of power and access and what we can do in creating general generational wealth, not just for our children, but for our children's children as well. And, and something, a conversation that I distinctly remember having 
with both you and Andy I am actually is um, the power of using your voice and your experience, but then also making it a stream of income. So I remember you saying that at this point I should be charging to speak. And it made me really uncomfortable if I'm being completely honest. Because I don't feel like I've done enough hours of service to the public speaking craft. Like I haven't done vocal lessons. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, I sing to myself all the time, but it's just me. I haven't been trained vocally at all. So for me to then put myself out there and charge is really uncomfortable, but it's a challenge that I'm giving myself before the end of the year. Um, So I know that you've got this amazing Trello board, which Mm -hmm. I definitely rinsed before you took it down. And I know you've got literature coming out that can help young people, black creatives, young entrepreneurs, black entrepreneurs understand how to monetize their experience, their business, and most importantly, their voice. But what are some tips and tricks that you can give people as far as booking speaking engagements, but most importantly, monetizing it and building the confidence um, based on the experience that they have? Okay. So let me address what first thing. The first thing is that even though you haven't had the skin in the game around voice, you're here and you're doing a podcast. So mm-hmm. you've already got credibility. Mm-hmm. All right. The truth is, and I know we've had this discussion because I know I made you uncomfortable when I tell you <laughs> it, but you have got you have an amazing brand. You are an amazing entrepreneur. There are individuals out there trying to, who are, who, okay, I'm uh, gloves off, right? <laughs> there are individuals out there who are, are more focused on raising money than they are on running a business. Mm-hmm. What you have done, you shouldn't have to bootstrap. Let's be honest. There should have been something that goes, you know what? Here's 50K, go run with it, right? Don't mm-hmm. worry. If I get it back, I'll get it back. But here's 50K, go run with it. Go multiply that back. Go 10X that and just do your thing. But the truth is you have to bootstrap and you have to start your, you know, your way and you built it. That journey in and of itself is incredibly powerful. Mm. You may not recognize it because you're in the midst of running a business and doing your stuff. Put you on a, me, if somebody said to me, let me get Jamelia and put her on a circuit and put her on a platform to talk about her story, I wouldn't expect anything less than three to four grand for you to stand on that platform for the hour to speak and share your story. I'm just telling you, and I told you before, and I will seriously tell you that. I'm gonna tell you why. Because two dibby dibby people, right? <laughs> go on Love Island, flipping goggle box, <laughs> all them other nonsense where they're not actually adding any value apart from being so-called influencers and influencers and just making up are going out there and they're charging like 20 grand mm. to go and speak. They, you know, shoot, I've seen it and it grates my skin because they go in, these organizations will pay them money to put bums on seats or whatever it is. And they're not adding any value. Whereas what you're doing is you're adding value. So for me, coming back to the second part of your question, whoever it is, is if you've got, everybody has, everybody can have or learn or train in expertise, but the thing that cannot be replicated is your experience. And that's the part of it. That's the story. No one can tell your story like you do. Um, I can't, you, you can't tell the story like I do. We are in different lanes, but our stories and our experience, that is the essence of what makes the actual difference. Because how you can talk about working in corporate and then burning the midnight oil to balance the two and then getting to a point where you realize, you know what, this is good enough. I'm going to go and make the leap. That's incredibly powerful for somebody who's sitting in a job now thinking, do you know what? Right. Yeah. I can't get out of banking now because boss, where am I going to get 120 grand from per year and whatever? And they've hooked me in now, and I'm, but I'm doing 14 hours and I hate this. And they go and listen to your story and go, do you know what? There may be an option. Let me balance this out and let me see what it can happen until I get to that point to do that. You standing on a stage, doing it on a video, um, appearing on somebody else's podcast, being on a panel, doing your own podcast, all five of those in and of themselves are amazing ways of your voice being heard. 
So when it's up to an individual for them to find out what way their voice is being heard. Like I'm, I'm going to reference Andy again now. He, this week he did a wicked thing on wealth development, right? Right. Right. Yes. I would box him up. You see, if he was anywhere near me, I would rugby tackle him to the ground. I would box him up, slap him down. All right. Plus he's released an ebook, which should be an audio book, but we won't even go there. Right. And the fact of the matter is that's in, it's, okay. So Kindle audio book will do the whole thing. When we see him, we'll deal with him, but it's an amazing thing to recognize that. That voice, which more often than not, we had to get, we had to pay to get access elsewhere. Yeah. We now have tools, be it Insta, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Live, YouTube. We have these tools all of a sudden now that we can use them to build community. And I will say this now, and let me put it on the record. The one thing that you have taught me this year, okay, and this for me has been the real feedback. I know you said to me, it's been, you've been grateful for us. Is you've taught me so much about community and there was so much stuff I've, I've and I was, I, I've mentioned it in the group, but there are a lot of the stuff around legacy and the switch came from the last two conversations that we had. Wow. And so the whole thing about community just went, it, the penny just dropped and I was like, rah. And then I remembered what you said and I was like, okay, so this is cool. But somebody who's done it and done it to that extent, like yourself, mm. all of a sudden it took a half an hour conversation at that vegan burger place <laughs> up in Liverpool street for me to be able to go, right, let me see how I can implement this in here. Mm-hmm. Totally change the trajectory of what we're doing. Mm. You standing and being able to, or sitting or sharing that is absolutely powerful. And to take it back to any others who are listening, find out whatever your, that lane is. Lots of people are doing podcasts now. It's really easy. You can do it on your laptop, do it on your phone, what have yeah. you. Do YouTube, do any one of these platforms, but do it. And, and, and here's the thing which is really important. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. Mm. I was talking, I'm name dropping now, but I was talking to Tolly from the receipts. Uh, we were talking at the um, Black Magic Awards on, on, on Monday. And I was saying to her, I said, you know, I, I came out the tube station and I saw your picture on the poster. And I said, and right. I screamed out on the tube and people thought I was mad, but I saw it. And I said, you know what made me really proud? It's not so much that you were there on the Spotify campaign, but you have stayed in your lane. Mm-hmm. And you've known how to stay in your lane. Yeah. There's lots of other podcasts out there that you can compare yourself to, but because you stayed in your lane, you've been able to reap the benefits of being able to stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. So rather, I know it's not, I know it's a mixed audience that you have here, but black people ain't got time for imposter syndrome, right? We work too hard and <laughs> done too much. We ain't got time for imposter syndrome. You can't feel an imposter. We've worked hard to get where we are. Stop comparing yourself to someone else. Be really good at what you do. Look, my video stuff that I do on here, I videoed on LinkedIn today and I forgot it's LinkedIn and not Instagram. So I videoed it lengthways, the, or how do you uh, call it? Portrait, is it? Yeah. Instead of landscape. And somebody said, David, you need to do it. And I, and I'm learning these stuff. I ain't got it right. Mm-hmm. I do a vlog on, on Legacy 71 in front of my computer at home. I know I ain't got it right, but until I develop and get better at the craft, I'm going to do good because good's enough mm-hmm. until it becomes great. But you got to get started. And that's my thing. All the other stuff, the vocal techniques, uh, working on stage. Again, I run presentation skills workshops and I teach people that craft, how to be in there, how to start your um, presentations, how to put them all together and, you know, all the stuff that I've talked to you about before. All that stuff can come later on, but it's just getting it started mm-hmm. and then you work on the finished craft as you go along. Done is better than perfect. Oh, that's the one. <laughs> that's the one. And if you had to give people three tips, so three things we could do right now yes. to kick off public speaking, mm-hmm and generate money from it, yes. what would be your three tips? Ooh, three things to kick off the speaking. So first and foremost, get a signature topic that you feel that you can speak about. Mm-hmm. So let's say, for example, you're, if I use you as an example, the, the one thing I think that really sets you apart from a lot of people who talk about enterprises that focus on community. Mm-hmm. 
that is an incredible one that 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 you have created. Okay, so get a signature subject that you're really focused on. Second one is just test the channels. So you might find out that you can do uh, something like YouTube and build an audience and get like advertising around it. Or you can do the same thing around a podcast where you can do one of two things. You can build up an audience where you go, right, I'm going to get my audience to 1500. And after 1500, rather than doing advertising, I want people to subscribe to it. So you can get the real basic one. But if you really want to have the extra bits, the real inside, you pay $9.99 a month. And they do, what's that thing called? Um, Patreon. Yeah. So Patreon, do a similar model like Patreon, but you own it. Rather than giving it to Patreon, you own that stuff. You go, this is my content that I've got here. But if you want to know more and you want to have an insider and a bit of extra bit, here is a community, $5.99, $10.99, whatever it is a month, and you build it. That's when you know you've got those true fans that you that follow. Mm-hmm. And, and then the third one, I think, is... um. So when I say finding the signature and then working on that, second one is, is, is like subscription. Um, and, and I guess as, as I said, again, the third one is probably just being able to go into spaces where you can either earn directly from getting a speaking fee or you use the platform while you're there to sell what your actual product is. Mm-hmm. So whether that's a seminar where individuals will come in, so say for the sake of argument, you go and run a seminar about business or what have you. And the seminar is 150 quid um, for the seminar. You go in and you teach people all this stuff. And as part of the 150, you go, right, you're going to have one treasure chest box for the month to your people. That's marketing. People have literally paid you mm-hmm. for you to do your marketing. They get that box. They be advocates, but you're speaking on the stage and then you're upselling the, the content mm-hmm. afterwards. So whether it's through a seminar or a webinar and being able to do that sales, but that's other ways of you being able to talk about the stuff that you do really well, but sell your physical product at the end. Those would be my three. And one more time. So we had... So the number one, we had get, getting a signature subject that you're signature really subject. that you're really really good at. And you can then take that signature subject and you can break it down into a keynote, a workshop, podcast, an online course. Mm-hmm. The second one is about being able to build that community piece as I'm saying, I'm teething it from you and giving it back to you. Okay. <laughs> so you can have content like, a, like, um, like subscription channels that they do on YouTube, or you can yeah. have a podcast where people subscribe to as well, where you release maybe 10 minutes of what could be an hour long conversation, uh, and then build it. I mean, even if you don't want to do it that way, what you might do is you might go, right, I'm just going to put the, there's a great site called Mixergy. And, okay. uh, M-I-X-E-R-G-Y. And this guy, he interviews a lot of entrepreneurs. He does really deep, he properly goes and does the, the background due diligence on them. Mm-hmm. But after about six months, you have to pay to be able to access that content. And then he repurposes that same content. Like if it's an hour and a bit and he actually runs it out as a course. Mm-hmm. So he's created like four or five years worth of content. You get the current six months for free. Yeah. But once you go all the way back, you need to pay to get access to that podcast or the course that comes as a result of that. And for me, that is, that's rocket science. So that's subscription yeah. basis. And then the last one is, as I said, you can go out there and you can speak. And if you don't want to get a fee, cause some people feel uncomfortable getting a fee when they go to speak. If you can fill up a room with people doing that stuff, go and sell your product at the back mm-hmm. or sell your service at the back. Those are my three. Amazing. A pleasure. Thank you, David. No, um, and in closing, yes. can you tell us about Legacy 71? Yes. So here's my, here's my big vision. My big vision is that Legacy 71 will be one of the premier places for black people or black founders of business, tech businesses to be able to come to, to create businesses that will generate wealth. That's my vision. I want to generate wealth. I want, I make no bones about it. I'm about making money. I want us to do well. (laughs) And so the idea about Legacy 71 is that we have a community that we are building 
where essentially individuals can come in and be part of the network, but also get educated, but also get access to capital. Mm-hmm. And what I've um, looked at and what I've been really passionate about is, is tapping into within the black community and outside, who are the places that, or who are the people and what are the places that you can go to, to be able to gain access if you want to grow your business. So at the moment, I think across three brands, I'm going to say now, we'll probably get them wrong, but I'm going to say it anyway. So across say Impact X, Good Soil, VC, Cornerstone, and a couple of others, I think we've got access potentially to about 120 mil of capital within our community. We don't even need in reality. I'm not saying that we don't need that money, but I'm just saying <laughs> and that doesn't even include all the others who are really eager to kind of like tap into the diversity part of what it is that we do. And knowing that I know all the individuals who are working in that organization, I want it to be centralized for that community to be able to say, right, where can we go? Who are the people we can do? Where can we pitch, et cetera, et cetera. The other bit, which is really important for me around legacy is the education piece. So we're doing courses around leadership, around customer development, around product development, um, around marketing, around sales, because a lot of times people assume that people know what to do when they've got that information uh, or, or lack of information. Or for example, if you get a hundred thousand pounds worth of investment, who tells you how you need to go and spend that money and mm-hmm. keep it really accountable? Who tells you how you can grow it? And so for me, it's about creating and having all those individuals who are members who can come in and say, right, this is how we're going to build it. Now, some people have said to me, oh my God, David, don't you think it's really racist? No, because I've specifically said, just to make some people feel happy, because <laughs> pro-black doesn't mean anti-white, but just get it in context. I've said that the criteria is, is that although it's a community for black founders, a company can come in, but one of the owners or the founders of that company has to be a black person who has a controlling interest. I make no bones about that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And so again, as I said, three principles around community. So we can network, we can talk, we can talk about ideas. We can even make it more, a bit more focused when we're crowdfunding or whatever we're going to do to raise it. The courses so that people get really educated about what it is they're going to do. And then the capital, the last bit is how can we get you to access capital within or without the community to be able to build and generate, whether it's equity funding, whether it's grants, whatever it is, how can we get individuals to um, build that effectively. And so, um, I, I said to a couple of friends that I, I, I had to sit back and readjust how this was going to be run. And now we're, I'm almost at that part where we're ready to launch, but I want it to be good so that when somebody gets in, they get the benefit straight away. Mm-hmm. And so we're almost ready to, to do that. And, um, as I said, I've got my newsletter and videos and all the rest of it. And I'm really excited about it. And I know come January 2020, um, fire bun Brexit. Um, <laughs> It's gonna be it's it's gonna be an incredible and exciting time for me personally. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I've had individuals around me who have encouraged me through my own fears and through my own challenges because this is gonna be a big, this is a new thing. It's a really yeah. big and a scary. But I'm excited about using technology to change the outcomes for a lot of Black individuals in the UK and how we can build wealth for ourselves now and for the generations to come. Brilliant. Well, thank you in advance for creating that. And thank you for all of the work that you do as far as building a community around Legacy 71. But even before that, helping founders, like setting time up with us, staying connected, connecting us to each other. Um, hugely, hugely grateful for that. So thank you so much. And thank you for passing by today. I'm so excited, being man. being a guest on the podcast. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm like, I've been telling, I tell my wife, I said, you're not, you're not ready. You know, I'm going to be on the podcast. <laughs> She's obsessed. I'm going to be on there. So I'm so excited. And thank you. And I, and I want to honor you because as I said, I think you, um, I don't think you realize how powerful it is and impact you have. And I don't, I'm not saying this is to blow smoke up your ass. I'm seriously saying that you've had an incredible impact where there are individuals who are watching you from the outside. So keep doing what you do. I know you're going to grow it. 
And I know there are a few of us around you that we're going to be kicking your ass even more to make sure that you take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 and most importantly, that you make sure that you stay well in that space. And I know you do anyway because you make your celery juice and your peanut <laughs> and what have you, but just making sure that mentally, physically, yeah. that you know you are blazing a trail, but recognize that while you're blazing it, you've created not just with treasure trust, but in the wider space, a community that are willing you to win and that will totally have your back. Those who don't, you know, they will drop off. Mm. But trust me, there are a hell of a lot of people who want you to win and want you to win big. Mm. So we can come to your villa in Italy when you buy it. Amen. And the private island. That's right, the private (laughs) island. But thank you. Thank Thank you, you, David. TT turns four in November. Make sure you join us on the 22nd to the 24th of November to have a chance to build your own box with five products from your favorite hair brands for £25 or cheaper if you buy your ticket now on Eventbrite. Bigger venue, more DJs, more free beauty treatments, more brands, panels, and of course, an even more enjoyable experience than last year. Follow us on Instagram. Link is in our bio for the tickets.